0: Welcome to another episode of Inspiration from Zion. I'm Jonathan Feldstein, and I have the privilege of being your host, coming to you from the Judean Mountains here in Israel. I like to refer to it as the original Bible Belt. Inspiration from Zion is a program of the Genesis One Two Three Foundation, whose mission is to build bridges between Jews and Christians, and Christians with Israel in ways that are new, unique, and meaningful. I pray that you will find this, all of those. Through this program, we are excited to be connecting you to people and stories in and about Israel to give you a window to look through about aspects of life here that you might not otherwise know about. We want this to be interactive, so please be in touch with us at inspirationfromzion@gmail.com at gmail.com and send along any questions and any comments about any topic, any time, or feel free to be in touch with us at genesis123.co. Also. Please share this with people who you know who will also find it of interest. Before I get into today's incredible topic, bringing together an Orthodox Jew and not one but two evangelical Christians speaking about the rapture, let me introduce our special guests who are going to be joining us. Dr. David Pitcher is a graduate of Oral Roberts University, with both his bachelor's of science and his medical degree from there. His medical practice is wide-ranging and has included serving internships and training in Fort Benning, Georgia, Panama City, Honolulu, Massachusetts General Hospital, and the Children's Hospital in Boston, and in Tacoma, Washington. He's board-certified in orthopedic surgery, a fellow of the Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons, and a member of the Christian Medical and Dental Association, and much more. He has served several academic positions as well, including Associate Professor at the University of New Mexico and Acting Chief of Surgery at the Raymond Murphy VA Medical Center and Clinical Professor at the University of Miami. He's a Faculty Advisor at the Christian Medical and Dental Society and Chief of Orthopedic Surgery at, or was, Chief of Orthopedic Surgery at the Bruce Carter Miami VA Medical Center. He has participated in numerous medical missions all over the world. As a doctor, he is widely published with 70 books, book chapters, and articles in peer-reviewed journals. But in addition to his wide acclaim and experience as a doctor, Dr. Pitcher has a strong spiritual side and special connection to Israel and the Jewish people. He's the author of a wide range of 20 non-medical books, most with a theological orientation, including After the Rapture, Passing the Torch, originally written in 2009 and recently released as a second edition. That is the foundation of today's conversation, and we hope that you will have the opportunity to enjoy reading the book as well. He holds several current positions, including those related to theology, and building bridges with Jews and Christians. He's the academic director of the Institute of Midrashic Studies of the New Testament, the video and blog contributor to the Jerusalem channel, administrator of the oldest midrash, the Identity of the Messiah Facebook group, and we are blessed and grateful to have him as an advisory board member of Run for Zion, because he is also a runner, and the Genesis 1-2-3 Foundation as well he is a member of the board of root source dr pitcher has been married to pam for 42 years and they have two children and four grandchildren our next guest john sandager is an attorney in new mexico who's practiced law for 42 years his expertise is in real estate small business taxation corporations and estate planning he could not be more suitable for today's conversation as his wide range of experience complements everything that we'll be discussing previously john was founder of the first financial trust which is now the zia trust and was its president and ceo for five years he was also the founder and ceo of the santa fe trust where he took the company from zero to 500 million dollars in assets making it the largest independent trust company in new mexico not surprisingly John is involved in a variety of charitable organizations, many of which are related to Israel and the Jewish community as well, including as a, as a board member of the Jewish Community Center in Albuquerque and chairman of its finance committee for four years. He's a member of the board of APAC, the National Council of APAC, from twenty thirteen to twenty fourteen, and is a speaker at his national at its national conference. He's also a national speaker for Christians in support of Israel. He's spoken at a conference in Israel on Christian reconciliation with Jews. He's the past chairman of the board of the New Mexico Boys and Girls Ranch and chairman of its finance committee and foundation. He's the past chair and board uh, of the board of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes and a board member of Bridges for Peace USA and formerly on its international board. John has served as executive pastor and elder at the Hoffman Town Church in Albuquerque and has taught an adult Bible study class and preached in place of the senior pastor. John is currently the U.S. Executive Director for Bible Missions Global, which plans churches and builds orphanages in the former Soviet Union and Central Asia. Underscoring how well-rounded he is, John is a graduate from University of North Dakota, where he received both an academic scholarship and a scholarship for football and basketball. He received his JD degree from the University of New Mexico School of Law. John is married to Susie, and they have three living children and five grandchildren. Dave and John, those, are, those don't even begin to cover the, the breadth of, of the significance of why you're here, and I'm so blessed. Welcome. It's wonderful to have you join us. Good to be here. Thank you. Glad to be here. So let's let's jump in. We're going to get into a topic that uh, re- really people should buckle up. There's going to be some uh, eye-opening, a little controversy, and uh, and I pray a lot a lot that we can all learn and and build upon. Um, Dave, well, I want to start with you, please. Uh, you wrote the book, which to me reads like hand the, the handbook, not a handbook, but the handbook um, with with theory, with strategies, with defense and offense. Uh, all kind of rolled into one. And, and honestly, as an Orthodox Jew, to a degree, it's a bit over my head, but I understand the concept. Can you just first jump in and for anyone who's listening, explain the concept of the rapture? Sure. We, um, I had a,
1: a best friend in Miami who was a uh, a Jewish lawyer. And um, I, I had operated on his arm and uh, without going into detail, we just became best of friends. And he really got into this and found it fascinating. And together we, uh, we uh, put together a legal definition of the rapture. So I'll read it to you. It's on page 145 of the, of the book. And it reads like this, a future miraculous event when all Christian people who have believed on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for personal salvation will be suddenly caught up together into the clouds to meet the Lord Jesus Christ. By definition, those not caught up are not genuine Christian people who have believed on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for personal salvation, though they may have claimed they were Christians. The rapture will the resurrection of the dead in Christ, that is, those who have died but had believed on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for personal salvation, period. So that was what we came up with, tried to be simple, tried to be a little repetitive, and uh, that's um, what I have put in my, uh, my trust. Wonderful.
0: Uh, explain uh, john is it anything i mean i, I want to speak uh, on a legal perspective but in terms of explaining the rapture to somebody who doesn't understand what that is anything that you would jump in and want to add
2: no i think the biggest issue we're going to face and we'll talk about this later in the program is that it's you can define it uh however you want and in the trust documents that i prepare there's lots of personal information and you try and explain things but it's
1: it has no legal precedence right and
2: that's where us lawyers live if the the court hasn't ruled on it if there's no statute no law then it's going to be determined by a court probably a court sitting in probate or depending on whether district court or whatever who's interpreting the the issue and normally we'll talk about this later it's going to be what the court determines it to be, and um, you can imagine if all of a sudden a whole bunch of people just disappear, the uh, the rumors, the stories, the the fake news, the uh, twisted news, <laughs> the uh, uh, the uh, information, and again, I, I won't want to get into all that, but I think that's the biggest issue that I'll talk about later is how Great. the courts will interpret it and and how best to explain it in the documents, wills, trust documents, whatever, that the court will look upon it and be able to rule favorably.
0: Okay, well, that, that that's fast forwarding a bit. I, w- I want to get there. Why is it something, why is the concept of the rapture something that some Christians hold more significantly and others less so? I mean, Dave, you just said something uh, in, in the statement about uh, kind of who's really a Christian. Uh, it's, it's only those people who, who, who really believe who will be raptured is that is that an element of it
1: yeah so it it does seem to be an implausible claim just typically just totally implausible that that millions and millions of people would disappear and typically there are only about 17 sections of scripture used to describe it so so with just so many few points uh, of reference, it's no surprise that people have different perspectives on it and have really different opinions. so so even across Christian circles, it's there's there's different viewpoints. but hopefully we're gonna get
0: to some of the uh, clarification of that um, during well, this we're, broadcast. Gonna, we're gonna we're gonna get into that, and it's interesting because I know as an Orthodox Jew, Two things. First of all, Christians are amazed that I even speak about the rapture at all, exactly. and then I speak to right, and and then I speak to Jews, and and invariably I'm met with wide eyes that are frequently glazed over, and people think I'm a little bit crazy, and and I have actually have Christian friends who, when I'm speaking about the rapture, also kind of get that. Yeah, that's so not not so relevant. So I, I it's hard for me as an Orthodox Jew to to, to step in, but. I want to just give an overview, a a quick story as to how God put this on my heart, why we're even having this conversation. Um, I don't remember what year, maybe 2015, I was having a fabulous visit, one of my first, as I recall, with Anne Graham Lotts, Billy Graham's daughter. And there's no way I could have ever been looking for this conversation. And I certainly never could have been prepared. But as we we spent a good hour, hour and a half together. And in the midst of the conversation, she said to me, Jonathan, I have an idea that I've been praying about. What do you think that if if of the idea of when I'm raptured, I I sign a document that when I'm raptured, leaving you, your organization, all of my belongings, all of my estate. And again, that, that, that was a, that was a, curveball out of left field, you know, nothing ever could have prepared me for that conversation. But my response was very immediate and sincere. And I said, Anne, I think that's a beautiful affirmation of your faith. And we got into a a bit of the conversation. And I'm pleased to say, and she um, gave me permission to, to publicize this, that she signed such a document. And that is pretty impressive. And I thought, that I was the only one. I thought this was totally unique. And then I'm sharing the, that conversation in an article that I wrote that we'll share the link to with you, Dave. And you said, well, wait, I wrote the book. So can, so that, that's where we're coming from. Dave, how did you come up with the idea of the book? You've got that great statement that you worked on with your friend in Miami, but where did the idea of the book come th- come from, which seems so straightforward, But again, it's shocking that no one's done it before. So
1: I um, I love to study scripture since a young young person. And I've studied scripture in large sections for long long periods of time. And I studied the book of Isaiah for five years. Uh, It was a very, very fruitful time in my life. And I was so blessed during that time and i could recognize the blessings that i was getting by just studying the book of isaiah but i had i had two questions for god at the end of that study the first question was was hey god um i'd like to uh, i'd like to know what do we do with our assets when the rapture occurs because i'd found the rapture in 12 places in isaiah now, remember I said there's typically only 17 scriptures in the New Testament that are uh, are recognized as rapture verses, and here I found 12 in the book of Isaiah. So my second question was kind of a weird question. Um, I don't know if you ever asked God weird questions, but I said, God, I I I want to get to know and meet with the two witnesses of Revelation 11. Um, you wow. know, I, I know I'm not going to know who they are, but, I, you know, I kind of want to, I want a possibility of doing that. So, well, the first question, the first question, when I asked the question, I got this, not an audible, but I got this inkling, you know, this sensation, you know, God, what do we do with the... Re- Assets when the rapture occurs, he said. He said, "David, you know." That was it. It was like, "David, you know." And I go, "I know." Well, so I I went along, and there was a Bible course in our church at that time in, in Fort Lauderdale that gave a, a a course on Isaiah, and it kind of solidified my idea on Isaiah, and I really I really liked that uh, that course so much that I went ahead and went uh, with the another course in Romans was the next course and when the instructor got to um, got to Romans 15 uh, 27 I go okay I know so let me just show you what Romans 15 7 says it says, um, "For if we, as Gentiles, non-Jews, have been made partakers of the Jews' spiritual things, there our, our duty is to give them material things also." So that's like a David kind of uh, translation, but that's that's what it says. So I, so in October. Two thousand six, I announced to my family that, huh, On the Thanksgiving table, I said, "I said we're going to give our assets to the Jews when the rapture occurs." What do you think they said? <laughs> I think they thought you were crazy. There were no words; it was just laughter. There, they didn't say anything; they just laughed. So I, you know, I said. I said god if 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 this is really true you're gonna have to give me some scriptural basis for this yeah yeah i i can't just shoot from the hip and i i read you know i i was raised in oklahoma but i i've never sh- shot from the hip you know i i'm a scientist essentially i i have facts so so i took another course in um And I dove right in, and I did everything for credit, and I uh, learned Greek, took the Greek courses, but the next course was on the pastoral epistles, and I had to do a paper of 35 pages that had a word study in it, and the word study, uh, since I'd done a word study in Isaiah on the word seal, and seal occurred once in the pastoral epistles, first and second Timothy and Titus. I decided, huh, I'll do I'll center my eleven verses on this this verse in 2 Timothy. The 2nd Timothy verse was 2 Timothy 2:19, which says, Nevertheless, the foundation of the Lord is sure, sealed with this inscription. The Lord knows those that are his, and those that are his must turn away from unrighteousness. So so, you know how things just don't make sense with when you try to bracket them. So, I, I had to broaden it out to 19 verses and I got, uh, okay, uh, I got approval to that for that. And instead of 35 pages, my report turned out to be 285 pages. Well, the, so that became, did that become the foundation for the book? That became the foundation of the book. And what i had found was i found an undiscovered truncated syllogism so as doctors and lawyers we actually we actually teach and and john i'm sure you you've gone before juries and you you fill out all the all the blanks and you leave one blank uh, empty and that blank is the verdict but they have no the jury has no other way to go except you know he's guilty or he's not guilty because you filled in all the blanks. And the same thing happens in medicine. We, we teach with truncated syllogisms. So what Paul did in this section of scripture is he has 27 opposites, but one doesn't have an opposite. So he, he says, remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David, for this is my gospel for, for which I'm chained, but God's word is not chained. So right there, there's, there's four opposites. Uh, Jesus descended, he raised. He, he, since he died, but he raised, he's fully man, but he's fully God, a hypostatic union. So Paul, he said he's the worst of all sinners. He's chained, but God's word, which has no sin in it, is not chained. And then he says, if we deny him, he, he will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. So he has 27 opposites, but there's one that doesn't have an opposite. And the one that doesn't have an opposite is the quote in Second 2 Timothy 2.19, which comes from uh, Numbers 16.5. It's the Lord knows those that are his. So what's the opposite of the Lord knows that are, those that are his? It's not the, the, the Lord doesn't know those that are, aren't his. That doesn't make sense. Right. So this is called a clarification statement. And the clarification statement takes you back to numbers. And what happens in numbers is that Korah wanted the job of Moses. And it's in Jewish tradition, he had 30 donkeys full of Joseph's treasures. And because he was so rich, he felt like you know he had every right to do what Moses did, and he was a great grand great great grandson of Levi too, just like Moses. So he had the right to do it. And Moses said, "You disobedient man, God is going to do something totally new. Uh, God is going to swallow you up into the middle of the earth with all your earthly possessions." So, what is the opposite of something new? Oh, of 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 disobedient men only three men were swallowed um Korah Abiram and Dothan into the middle of the earth in a relatively small locale witnessed by a just relatively a small group of people two million Israelites it, what's the opposite <laughs> of that the opposite of that is um uh myriads uh and myriads of obedient men and women getting swallowed up in the middle of heaven with all their earth, with all their spiritual possessions yes. wit- witnessed throughout the world so that so, so so the and why is he doing it he's saying to hymenus and phrates who say the resurrection isn't isn't what it is there's it's it's an offertory Uh, argument off for teoria argument it's a since the the resurrection is true the rapture is true or you could go the other way since the rapture is true the resurrection of jesus christ is true so he uses a a legal uh kind of uh term here to or what reasoning to say the rapture now the this second timothy 2 8 through 26 has never been described as a rapture verse before and everybody says oh the the rapture is just an escape tool but that just is a narrow visual field as we would say in medicine you're not saying the seeing what is really supposed to be in the visual field what's supposed to be in the visual field is the rapture is a sign to substantiate the resurrection of jesus so uh, so that was the basis of the book okay and
0: that's how um that's how it all got started okay so let let me john. So i want to i, I want to yeah i want to bring you in john but i want to just it's fascinating because as in a medical field you you could say what you've discovered albeit that it's theological is a first and john you as a lawyer you're not a patent lawyer but but if if David's the first person kind of who discovered this. And I'm, I mean, maybe, maybe others did, but certainly no one published it. Then a a patent attorney would have to look to find others who have, it's not a patentable thing, but maybe, maybe you can jump in John and, and, and just kind of offer you, you wanted to say something, but just from that perspective, uh, on, on the whole notion that this is, you, you alluded to it before, that this is all new. We, we haven't even gotten into the topic of what's happening, which is in chapter 14 that I want to talk about. But go ahead, John. I wanted to hear what you have to well, say.
2: I, I, Jonathan, I wanted to respond to your question about why some Christians, when you mentioned they were, they were aghast, well, very few, and I don't have any statistics, but just from my experience, very few pastors teach
1: about end times. And this is all about what we call end times, Right. close of the age, the end of the age, so on and so forth. Revelation to most pastors is
2: considered, and it's not, but it's considered to be very confusing and mysterious and the symbolisms and the so metaphors are very difficult to deal with. So they don't teach it. And the, the rapture is a part of that. So they, it's almost pain avoidance or something like that. But, I think the simplest thing when when you do talk about it is that there is precedence for the rapture. And that was the Old Testament people who were taken up. Isaiah was taken up, and I'm having a brain hiccup right now, walked with God. Who was that who was also taken up? Enoch. Enoch, yes. Okay, so there's, there's, when I talk to my Christian friends, uh, the word rapture, as David knows, does not appear in that word in the New Testament. It's a different word, which means to be taken up. And, and I think if you look at the fact that there is precedence for it, and then you, there's a certain amount of belief, and I'll talk about later the, the evidence, I think, that we're going to have to, to prove it. We can't just say it. I mean, Dave, David's book may be a, a evidence or a, a theory, because if you can't prove it, it's it's still a, a legal theory, right? And uh, that's my response. Back to you, Jonathan.
0: Okay, so so that sets up. Um, I, I'm gonna. I, I don't want. We could we could go in. You've written a book that's a few hundred pages and and uh, fourteen fifteen chapters, and, and the first for, for my reading it, and I think you just gave an amazing outline of the book and the and the concept. Um, the, the first 13 chapters, you're laying out the feel, the theology and, and and the conceptual till you get to and I and I think even chapter 14 has the word practical in it, right? It's a it's the practical application of this concept. So the the idea is, as you sat around your family uh, dining room table and said, "We're going to leave all of our things," and by the way, I just wanted also. Circle back with you. I've heard many, many Christians use the uh, reference, the verse in Romans, that to the extent that you benefited uh, or been blessed by uh, the Jewish people, you also you need to uh, bless them or, or or give to them. Many people talk about that, and 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 until this conversation, I would say almost exclusively in the present tense. But you're talking about in the future tense in something that we don't actually control. So can you? jump jump us into just some of the pragmatic. We're gonna we're gonna see about how we can get the book reprinted and available to, to some of the listeners who are who are uh interested. But chapter 14, take us into that practical and then I want to jump back to John with what those legal precedents and how one one applies this. Well can I just jump a little bit I neglected sure. to tell you that I lived two doors
1: down on Miami beach from a rabbi and uh, I became very, very good friends with the rabbi's son, his name Chaim. And um, he said, Hey, David, do you know that the rapture is in the Talmud? I said, no, show me. And he said, well, it's, it's uh, recorded in, the talmud in sanhedrin 92b and he showed me in hebrew he says here it is in uh, the top of the page he says it's look at this this is uh at the time of the end of the world there's going to be the flying of the righteous wow And and i go oh neat so so then he he said and do you know in um, Tehillim? And I said, "What's Tehillim?" That's Psalms. He says yeah. in Psalm 49, 49, which is actually in, written by uh, the Sons of Korah. He says, "Here it is on 278." Um, the Sons of Korah were were saved by flying in the air. So wow. this is this is in uh, this is in Jewish literature and um so this is a this i i say that was it like a god a, a god uh, prescribed moment for me and i'm going oh wow so paul wrote this in the very context of what jewish tradition said the sons of korah were saved by flying in the world uh, flying flying in the air
0: so the great thing about this being a podcast is people can pause now and open up their Bibles or or find a reference, which I'm happy to provide for the Talmudic source. But but the, I, I think the people are going to be rewinding this a lot to re, to listen and re-listen. So thank you. That's amazing. That's very important to share. Um, will I think give a little bit more of a foundation to some Jews who are listening as well in terms of understanding the pro uh, the, the concept. Now now jump us into. Uh, chapter 14 without giving giving all all of it away you're sitting at your dining room table you've got 200 plus pages of your uh, of your work that's become that's become the foundation for a book what's what what is that practical concept that you propose in in after the rapture well i'm a big uh believer in
1: prayer and uh, i i i think prayer changes things and I had many, many people, many, many patients, who I sat down with and prayed with. So I think beginning and ending the process in prayer is really, really important. Um, I, I think that you should tell your your family what you're doing, and say, "Listen, I'm I'm leaving my uh, my assets and trust," and and I I think. It, doing a will uh, me and my jewish lawyer decided doing a will is not good because in the state of florida if your body disappears for seven years your your estate stays in probate so Uh you should you should leave it in trust and then the trustee the the genesis one two three or your jewish lawyer or whoever can use your money as you would as the the trustee now i don't know john if i had the word's right, trustee or trustor. Um, trustee, that's okay. correct. The trustor is, or settlor or grantor, are the ones who fund the trust. I always tell people, as a doctor, you would understand a blood donor
2: is the one who gives blood. So a Got trustor it. is somebody who puts the assets in. The trustee is the one who acts on behalf. I'll, I'll talk about that later when I have a
1: chance. Great, yeah. So, so that's what, in in you should have some kind of a valid trust or will or something. um, So, so people know the other thing you should do is you should start giving now. So you can um, you can establish your intent. So giving to the Genesis one, two, three, or to a, a Jewish foundation or the JCC or whatever. So you've already established your, your intent. Now, your family may be resistant a little bit, but I always ask the question: Do you, do you want to have the money if your if your family is going to have to take the mark of the beast to spend it? No, you don't want to give it to them if they're going to have the, if they're left, um, and if they're ungodly. I tell my family: If you're left at the rapture, heaven forbid, you're you're left. Go to my Jewish lawyer and get help. Go to the go to the to the Jew to get help because that's where the help will be at that time um, of the of the of the of the world. You know, it's like, and then you know, give them give them enough information. Give them the key to your house. Give them right. all the passwords. Give them all the practical things that they need to open up. Um, you don't want your assets to go to the government. You don't want your assets to be uh, fought over in the middle of the street. People loot your house and things. You want your house, you you want your property, your pantry, your, your car. You want everything to be used for good at the, at the end of the age rather than just left for, you know, buried in the sand. So, so that's what, that's what I tell people. And, um, i think there's a lot of particulars that need to be worked out there obviously there's a lot of expense but do you know the the certain um uh, factor about um jewish lawyers there are more um there're more lawyers in the state of israel per capita 585 per 10,000 uh uh people in israel than there are in any other nation so that makes there half a million uh, Jewish lawyers in the state of Israel. So you guys are already prepared.
0: We, we just have to pay the retainer. Well, we do. But, but, but now this is where I want to bring John in. The Most of the lawyers in Israel are not licensed in the U.S. or members of the bar. There are Anglos like myself who are and who commute or, or, or telecommute. But John, I mean, you, you, you've alluded to this. There's no legal precedent um I know that I, I want to hear about how you've applied this uh professionally because it seems and you can tell me if I'm wrong same same way that David's got the original book the concept I don't know of anyone else uh, who who's who's guiding clients in this but there but there are a lot of pitfalls just that I can or challenges that I can imagine um death and rapture are very different David just spoke about being missing for seven years, um, death is very clear and finite, and 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 being raptured is just a lack. I mean, I don't mean to, to to boil it down in a in a in in this way that to to be to come across negative, but you're just not there anymore, right? You're here, and then you're gone. And 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 how does one come up with a language so that so that when one sign such a clause whether it's a will or 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 some or or a separate document that it can be implemented and then david you just mentioned also you have children or grandchildren who aren't raptured what's to prevent them from contesting all of this
2: let me uh i don't want to get too into the into the woods but the New Mexico statute and each state controls its own probate process, death, etc. In the New Mexico statute, and I'll go through this quickly because you have to follow it through, it's uh, evidence of death or status, section 45 1 107. Okay. Uh, in accordance, death occurs when an individual has A, irreversible cessation of circulatory and respiratory functions, or to
1: irreversible cessation of all functions of the entire brain, including the stem.
2: And a termina- of de- termination of death must be made in accordance with the accepted medical standards. That's A. B, unauthenticated copy of death certificate. I won't read all that statute. C, an authenticated copy of report of a government agency that an individual is missing, detained, dead, or alive, blah, blah, blah. D, this is the important one, D and E. In the absence of prima facie evidence, which means basic Clear evidence of death pursuant to sections B or C of this section. The fact of death, here's the word and language, may be established by clear and convincing evidence, including circumstantial evidence. I'm going to come back to that. E, other an individual whose death is not established pursuant to sections A, B, C, or D, who is absent for a continuous period of five years. That's New Mexico statute during which the person has not been heard from and whose absence is not satisfactorily explained is presumed to be dead. In drafting the the rapture clause,
1: you don't want it to say, well, after five years, I want this trust to become
2: effective. Or, or after five years, you're going to have to try, and it's going to be tested. And I think at some point, and when I say tested, some error, a child beneficiary that's been disinherited or whatever, or some probate judge, um, district court judge, depending on your jurisdictional venue, is going to say you have to establish New Mexico by clear and convincing evidence, including circumstantial evidence. And in the rapture clause of any estate planning document, will, trust, and I agree with David, it should be a trust. uh, You're going to have to try and say try and say this is what the circumstantial evidence is that I am purporting to that I want you to follow. In other words, there's a mysterious disappearance of Christians throughout the world. There, I mean you can go into whatever length you want, that would be between you and your attorney, okay? But that's what that's where it's going to hinge on. Will the court accept the circumstantial evidence, clear and convincing circumstantial evidence that this thing this this
0: theory that's now perhaps practical is actually occurred because it's not just going to be one or two people you're talking about millions and millions of people and that's that's there's no precedent for that either well that
2: in my opinion is where the circumstantial
0: evidence becomes very powerful right like if you just say well my dad disappeared i think he was raptured
2: uh well you know i'm not so sure about that
0: but your dad was 90 airplane- years old, and we yeah we don't know where your dad is. He could just be lost.
2: Yeah. yeah. When there's airplanes falling from the sky and driverless cars rolling, were going off the road, and the guy sitting next to you in your office disappears, or the lady uh, who's standing in front of the jury doing closing arguments disappears, that's some pretty clear and convincing circumstantial evidence. Okay? Got it.
1: So I think there is legal strength in a rapture clause. Can't guarantee it.
2: And every jurisdiction, whether it's liberal, conservative, whatever, you know, it may be thrown out because it's it sounds so wacko. You can never tell your client for sure that this is going to work, but I think you can give it your best effort. Now, David's response, I think, is the correct one to avoid it being challenged, because if nobody says anything and you've transferred all of your assets into a trust and nobody challenges it doesn't go to court. You don't probate trust. You probate wills. And I'll give you a quick thing. The reason you probate a will is that if Jonathan has an asset that's in your name alone, let's say some real estate, the only way to transfer real estate is by signing a deed. Well, you can't sign a deed. So the court appoints somebody, used to be called executor, now it's personal representative under the Uniform Probate Code, to sign that deed for you. Well, that requires court approval, a court appointment. Of a personal representative or executor, etc. A trust, and I'll try and keep this short to help people understand the concept. I explain it to my clients. The trust is kind of like a corporation. A yeah. corporation is a legal fiction, we call it. It's just a piece of paper that says Intel or IBM exists and it's got assets and it's got liabilities and it's got employees, etc. It. You don't probate corporations because there's not a Mr. and Mrs. IBM or a Mr. and Mrs. General Motors to probate. You only probate people. So that trust stands alone like a corporation. But instead of having presidents or vice presidents, you have trustees or successor trustees. And they have the authority to distribute all the assets of the trust according to, in a corporation, the bylaws or articles on corporation. But in the trust, it's the trust document itself. So that's where you say to my trustee, I want you to, under these situations, under these circumstances, the disappearance of so-and-so, to distribute my funds as follows. I think uh, I'll get into this and quickly. I think David and I may disagree. Uh, if you don't have believing children, they, by definition, if they're not raptured, maybe somebody would say, well, they don't get anything. Uh, in New Mexico, you would have to make sure that you Uh, clearly disinherited them, or they're called a predominated heir, and they have the legal authority. And also, David, I have an issue with uh, 1 Timothy 5.8 that says, unless you leave something to your children, your family, provide for your family, I can quote it if you want me to. I
1: called it up. Yeah, you're worth an unbeliever.
2: Yeah, anyone who's not pride for their relatives, and especially for their own household is designed to face and worth an unbeliever, okay? So, That's an interesting argument. You should, should you not not leave it to your children who may be in trouble. And the other thing is, and then I'll get on this, and then I'll let you take over. Why a Jewish attorney? Yeah, that makes sense. I get it. But if somebody's left down here who didn't get raptured, you don't have to be Jewish. You could be a Christian who sat through church and never, uh, you didn't become a believer by sitting in a church. Uh, Jonathan, I don't know if you've heard this, but, if you sit in a car, if sit if you sit in a garage long enough you
0: don't become a car. And if you sit in church long enough you don't become a Christian. Yeah, but but let so, me interject a second. How do you know? Because yeah. if you're sitting in church and someone professes to be a Christian, uh, you, you you know you I don't know or you don't know if I want to if, if if you're my attorney that that's really in my heart and I'm and I'm being raptured. No one has a way of knowing. No, that's, only God knows. That's, you, the key. Yeah, that's,
2: that's the yeah. That's the There's evidence. You will know by my works.
1: Yeah, that's the key. the The uh, numbers sixteen five and num and Second Timothy two nineteen. The Lord knows those that are His. That's yep. the only one that knows. Correct. So, so I I, I agree with you, John. That uh, it, having a a Christian lawyer would be would be good, but you don't know. Uh, Only the Lord knows. So so that's why I said. It doesn't have to be a Christian lawyer. Any lawyer who is, here's another example, David. Uh, There are
2: independent trust companies. Well, they're not going to get raptured. Maybe some of their staff will, but they're not going to be raptured. And they're legally bound to follow the terms of the trust. A trustee has, and I'll give my last legal stuff here, a fiduciary duty. Right. It's the highest duty imposed by law by any individual or institution. You have to do what's in the best interest of the designated beneficiaries. So anybody who steps in as a trustee is personally and
1: legally bound to follow the terms of the trust. Okay. So so when, so when yeah so when I um, started uh, looking at who should be the lawyers, first of all, I think it should be a lawyer because during those period of time, that period of time, it's going to be chaos and you're going to need someone to get something through the court. So you, you need a trustee who's a lawyer to has experience. The second thing is the, in when the 144,000 are sealed, that word sealed in um, Revelation 7 is essentially a legal term. So I'm thinking, well, if they should be, they should be of the legal profession and then the 144,000 they're obviously from every tribe of Jacob so they're obviously Jews so that's how that's how I came up with the idea well you know we should get the Jewish lawyers now we don't know I agree we don't know who the two witnesses are or the 144,000 are I have an inkling of who the two witnesses are as I've talked to you about I won't tell you about it see Jonathan <laughs> I see see Jonathan smiling but but you know I treat every Jewish person as you could they be one of the 144,000 witnesses like I was like am I in the presence of like greatness wow. here I, so I I'm like I don't know how many great people you've met in your life but I you know I've met maybe a handful and I'm thinking am I in the presence of a great person here so uh, when I think of that, so I'm so that's how I came up with um, the um, the Jewish lawyer thing. Um, David, I don't I don't disagree with you, but uh, I started a trust company, and when and we, most of my trust officers were
2: lawyers, but we never practiced law as a trust company. We hired lawyers. Uh, so if you had a friend, let's say you had a friend who was an atheist, a vowed atheist but he was your friend, and you loved him, and he was intelligent, and you trusted him. He can hire a lawyer to, f- to fight the terms of the trust. He's the trustee who is going to make sure that there's a declaratory judgment or something like that. It, it's not to argue with you. I think if you found that Jewish lawyer, he would have a vested interest also in seeing that it's going to a Jewish organization. That would be continuing. That's just a side.
1: Yeah, it's a yeah, it's above my pay grade, but at the time I wrote the book, I had never even considered a Jewish organization like Genesis 123 picking up the ball and saying, "Hey, listen, we can be the the trust company and uh we can hire all the lawyers and you know
0: but you know again, that's above my pay grade. Well, it's also we we discussed this in the past. It's also to a degree safer because if you if you Make me your trustee, and I die tomorrow, then then there's no trustee, or you have to appoint a new one. Yet yeah, Genesis one two three, as long as we continue fulfilling our mission, um, that we're going to exist, and and God willing, we'll be able to do that. Uh, John, true. I want there, you, let me ahead. just say
2: you, you can name successor
0: trustees, ah. and that's common in any trust. If so and so is and the terminology is
2: unwilling or unable to serve, then so and so shall serve. And if they are unable or unwilling to serve. But if you have a uh, independent trust company or a company, one of the problems of Genesis 1, 2, 3, being the trustee and they are the beneficiary of the trust, sometimes an heir may say we have a significant conflict of interest. Uh, If you are the recipient or the beneficiary, of the trust assets and you have an independent trustee, you have the right to request that trustee to follow the terms of the trust. You have a responsibility and you have an obligation to do that. So you you get, if you had three parties, beneficiary, trustee, and then lawyer,
0: and they're all on the same page, that's where you want to be. That's amazing. Now, what I'm realizing, first of all, this is a conversation, not very dissimilar to to my original conversation with Anne Graham Lotz, because albeit that I prepared it, and and I'm here in in it, there's so much that you both brought up, and I'm so grateful that I really couldn't have thought of or prepared for. And and, and there's a lot. It's it's to say that there's a lot more that we're going to leave um, unanswered than than we're going to uh, answer. But John, let me ask you just a quick couple of quick. Pointed questions by way of scale. Um, how many pe- individuals have you uh, established a, um, uh, a rapture clause for? I have done approximately two thousand estate plans in my forty-two career, forty-two years. Careers. I have done okay.
2: one rapture clause.
0: Got it. Okay, that's important. Now, did you? Did the two of you? At what point did the two of you? connect on this and is, has there been any coordination the the, the theory the, the the law uh applying uh, the theory
2: you mean david and i
0: yeah the two of you
2: no I, we have it this is uh his book is is encouraging me and uh more than encouraging me because a lot of times what doesn't get into trust is because people don't think to put it in there for example, sure. I, I do a lot of Christian estate planning. I'll do Christian seminars on Christian estate planning, charitable trust, things like that. And a lot of people just aren't aware. And I'm feeling terribly guilty. Once I was started reading David's book, I'm thinking I should have been asking the question. I can't tell my clients what to do. But I always ask my clients, oh, by the way, are there any charities that you would like to leave your funds to? Sometimes I will challenge a Christian believer. A lot of my clients are Christians. Do you want to tithe your estate? Uh, I'm not sure there's biblical reference for that, but it's a good good feeling. But if I don't ask them, a lot of times they don't think about it. And I can say, sure. well, we can do that. It can be a specific amount or percentage or so on and so forth. And now I'm convicted, is the term, to bring up the rapture clause. Now that I have a little more support from uh, Mr. Mr. Pitcher who is. Practicing law without a
0: license, and I'm just glad to <laughs> <practice in him. laughs> as, as, as long as you're not practicing medicine without a license, that's okay. Oh, I do that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, let me let me ask you another question. You 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 gave us thank thank you for preparing all the 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 code the the uh, stature for New Mexico. Presumably, other states have similar clauses yeah. but people right but i but i don't know if that's all 50 and and we have people listening i don't have those the the sheep but people are listening from all around the world so people who are listening need to understand wh- whether their respective state or country has code and where there are lawyers listening or um or uh legislators elected officials this is now an opportunity to potentially change the code so you have that leeway of the of the, um, uh, the, 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 the I don't know if it's liberal but the broader definition is that yep. w- w- would you say that that's accurate? I would say first of all every state I'm convinced
2: and every country has to have some kind of statute about missing persons designation of death it all came out of wars when the bodies were never found, lost at sea, How did you prove that somebody could finally inherit the family farm if grandpa was lost in the trenches of France and buried in the mass grave? So I know every country has that. What I would find intriguing, and it would be very difficult, I think, to pass legislatively, but that's not what we shouldn't try, is to actually have a legislative in the statute by the legislature, a definition of this missing person, whether they call it a rapture or not. uh, Again, I... I was really pleased because I hadn't looked at this in a while, but the, uh, I'll read it again. Established, death may be established by clear and convincing evidence, including circumstantial evidence. Any attorney has to build his case. And I think if I were to draft some more documents, it would be I would be building my case as to the court to look to that and, and declare that this is sufficient circumstantial evidence. And you also, unless it's contested, you also have to understand this is my estate. It's my money. I can give it to whomever I want. Okay. Correct. I can give it, I don't have to, I can leave my heirs out in New Mexico. You have to identify your heirs. You have to say, I have three children and name them. And, I'm, and then you have to intentionally disinherit them. Otherwise they're pre but you can leave, you, don't, you can leave everything to save the whales if you want to. That's your, but you've got to have it clearly in your document. And I, I'm more encouraged that with that statutory language, which I never read before was I'd read the five years. I knew that, but the statutory language convincing evidence, we need to build the circumstantial evidence. Yeah. Your point, Jonathan, is if we could convince and somehow draft some language that wasn't blatantly Christian, quote unquote, because then you run into issues there with the current climate. But with that said, to further indicate what is missing uh, circumstantial evidence, blah, blah, blah. That's,
0: that would be that would be fascinating to look into well that's amazing Let, let's shift uh, kind of beginning to wrap up uh, for, for either or, or both of you so we've we've got now a, a, a fabulous concept and and John you're talking about a, a whole lot of legal stuff that goes around it what happens so there's there're Christians listening to this and say, yeah it's not for me they believe in the rapture. They believe they're going to be raptured, but they don't think it's for me. What happens if a Christian were not to do this, whether spiritually or materially?
1: Well, well then they
2: would be. They would, go
1: ahead, David. Well, your foundation says it all Genesis 1, 2, 3, Genesis 12, 3. If you bless the, the uh, it, whoever blesses the, the descendants of Abraham will be blessed. And, and so it's like they're going to miss out on a blessing they're not going to lose their salvation. They're not going to uh, lose their, uh, not be, not be raptured. they are just going to miss out on a blessing. I, and I, I don't know about you, but you know, I like to get kissed by my wife and I consider that a blessing. I'm not going to, I'm <laughs> telling you, I'm not going to miss out on that blessing. So, uh, so, and Pam knows it. She, she knows that she goes out of the house without a kiss. So I'm, you know, I'm missing out. So I'm going to come after her and get a kiss. So, yeah.
2: Jonathan, it'll be interesting as I, as I think about it. Let's say that a person has five children and three of them are believers. And the, the will or trust or whatever leaves, doesn't have a rapture clause, but leaves it to their three children or five children in equal shares, what we say, per stirpes, which means it goes down the bloodline okay and three of the children are raptured now you have to prove that they're dead okay because you know you've got all kinds of issues there now so that's where you have to have maybe even now i'm I'm thinking this out loud i am talking this out loud that maybe you need to have a a rapture clause that says if any of my heirs are missing under these following circumstances their share shall and you decide where it goes to the surviving children or whatever but you're going to have to
0: have proof of death for those missing heirs, if not all of them are missing. So it, it gets very, very fascinating. You're defining death and rapture as being synonymous, an absence well, of presence.
2: Yeah, I understand. In order to inherit, unless unless it's survivals living, okay, if you're, if you're getting a, an inheritance upon death, a testamentary bequest, you have to be dead. That person has to be dead. Well, how do you prove that they're dead? Then we go back to the statute, okay? So, if three of those children are missing. How do we prove that they're entitled, they're dead? And uh, from the statute, the statute doesn't recognize if you're missing five years, you're presumed dead. That's the circumstantial evidence,
0: unless you have clear and convincing additional circumstantial okay. evidence, okay? Got it. Got it. Um, David, when we spoke some time ago about this, um uh, you you were very flattering to me saying how bold it is and, and it is. Um that's not to make me more important than I am, but you were also you also commented how much administrative costs were going to be incurred by the Genesis One Two Three Foundation to get it started. And 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 I want to ask you, not not just on the administrative side, but why is this so bold? Well,
1: it's just a something that hasn't been done. You're like at the vanguard of the of the process, and um, I think that there's going to be Christians from every single country that want to be involved in this. And fortunately, Israel has Ju- Jewish lawyers, probably from every single country, and I would dare say, Israel has Jewish lawyers from every single state who have had state licenses in the state of uh, New Mexico, the state of wherever, the state of New York, state of, certainly New York. And they probably, they may have license. They may be able to get their license uh, renewed. But it's like, this is something that's never been done before. I think, um, I once treated a, a little girl who was turned away from uh, MD Anderson, a 5 year uh old little girl who had um a pelvic um osteosarcoma and she they said well she's just it's just not going to work well you know the dad came up to me and said listen if 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 i could take the disease on myself i would and immediately i i thought of um thought of jesus who took our sins upon but i said listen let's give her chemotherapy let's see, see where it goes And so then on the day of surgery, I was going to rebuild the pelvis of this five-year little girl. I mean, it's like, it's bold. I'm doing something that a major cancer center would not do. The girl came through. She's a pediatrician now. So she's, she's alive. Um, And, but it was bold. What you're doing, Jonathan, is on the same level. Something that um,
0: is against all odds, I think. Well, wow. well, thank you, uh, John. Anything? You, I mean, not. I'm not looking for 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 uh, a flattery, but but you you're also pioneering in this. You've done one uh, such clause, and 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 I think just in having this conversation, many many levels of the onion are peeling back. What what's bold, unique about this for you? I think that it's
2: even being published slash talked about slash. Nothing happens that's when it's darkness. It's, I, I mentioned if, if you if somebody doesn't know that they can do it or even be challenged to do it, the fact that you are in the forefront is you're, it's groundbreaking. I mean it's kind of your you're Star Trek boldly going where no man has gone before <laughs> Ooh, whatever that is. And I, and I think and because of that, you will you will face obstacles you will you will be in troubled waters Uh, you know there's lots of critics out there because and critics don't do anything except criticize when they're criticizing people who have new thoughts different thoughts different approaches so david and i and all of us need to be praying for you because i'll use the expression the enemy is going to come against you because if this is something that god wants done in the holy spirit you're gonna get a battle. You're heading into a battle, my friend, and we you need to be lifted up and supported. Amen. And I am not on your board and I'm not on commission. But I'm hoping that people that are listening to this, like myself, will support you in prayer and financially if they're able, if God so leads them. Because you need you need somebody we gotta have your back. We got your back,
0: Jack. Oh, well I, co- I covet the prayers because I came into this aware that it's controversial and now now on probably on steroids, and I probably still only have a a, a, a scratch on it. Um, but thank you, thank you for that. Um, it's the end of the year, uh, we're, we're, and, and typically year end is when people look at, at at their estates and 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 charitable giving and 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 bequests and things of that nature. Tax laws change in different places, so people want to preserve their assets. But in this case, we're not even. I mean, there's an element. Of course, you want to preserve your assets, but this is a completely different concept. Um, is t- for either of you, for for both of you, um, is there a is there a? Um, you, I think John, you mentioned it, t- uh, uh, encouraging people to tithe their estates, or not encouraging people, offering that as an opportunity, yeah. or or uh, life insurance, which is a great um, estate planning charitable giving mechanism, a bequest. Is it any less significant to do that than, than the than the um, uh, rapture clause? Let me
2: tell you something that, again, I'm, I'm a little embarrassed, but this just came to me. There are two vehicles that are excellent. One is called a charitable gift annuity. That is where you give $100,000 to Genesis 1, 2, 3. You live off the money, an annuity, and when you die, the remainder man, that's the term, goes to the charity there's no question there there's no trial there's no litigation it's a done deal because you had a contract with a charitable organization another one is what's called a charitable remainder trust you set up a trust and you fund it with assets you get a tax deduction it's it's a it's it's whiz bang i tell you and you live off the proceeds of that and then upon your death the remainder of that pro, of those assets go to a named charity that doesn't go through court it's like a life insurance policy. It's a contract between you and the charity, okay? And that avoids any uh, probate or litigation or anything like that because you did it during your life. Test has to be established during a lifetime. It's a fixed-name charity, and you can have successor charities if Genesis 1, 2, 3 gets raptured, too. <laughs> um, so that's, a, that's an example, I think, of what you can do. And that just came to me.
1: Extraordinary! That's that, that's tremendous. Um, that is tremendous. I, uh, I wrote those down. I hope everybody wrote those down. Um, will you ask Jonathan whether or not it's um, any less significant to to give at your death or give at the rapture? I think uh, they both take an element of faith, and um, I think they are both significant so uh, you're going to be out of here and you just have to have the faith that your your assets are going to be used like you would want them to be used
0: uh, that, that's beautiful and i and i got to go back to what you said before which which will stick with me and i hope others as well that you know god god does say that he's going to bless those who bless israel uh we're not uh, we're not so worried about that i think after death but but effect, but affecting that it's, you know, it's great. People can make a $10 donation. There are many, many different ways. It shouldn't only be financial to bless Israel um, for your prayers. And I covet those, we covet those. Um, but, but yes, affirming that in your lifetime, just, just is giving God more reason, as you use the analogy, Dave, to give you, to give you more kisses and, uh, and, and, and nobody doesn't want that. So that's amazing. Um, before we wrap up, this has been so, I, I don't even begin. I don't think I have proper words to say how incredible this is. And I, because we have the benefit of looking at each other. I see that, that, that it's, that it's a domino effect. We're, 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 we're all kind of taking, and I'm, and I pray that people, even though they're not looking at each other who are hearing this are really taking it to heart. I want to always ask people to be in touch and we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll plot this together. And if, obviously if you're in uh If you're in New Mexico, we know we know a good lawyer who can help, Um, but we'll see if maybe we can find others who who can do this as well. Um, uh, Any last closing thoughts from either of you about this that we that you that are on your heart that we didn't cover?
2: Just a quick thing, and I'll make it brief. People need to understand that if they draft a, a trust or a will in their home state, wherever that is, I'm originally from North Dakota. If it's validly executed according to the terms of the statutes of that state, it's going to be received and approved and and accepted in any other state. Full faith and credit, everything. So if you move from uh, Michigan and you decide you want to get out of the winters and you retire in Florida, your Michigan will and trust is valid and it'll be interpreted according to the laws of Michigan. Okay?
0: Great. So you don't have to worry about the portability of trusts very good thank you David last word
1: well I I think you're a very bold uh, man <laughs> and and I can't thank John enough and please tell Susie thank you um, for uh, for getting uh, getting you on this uh, program because it's been immensely helpful
0: it's it's been extraordinary and I thank you both. And uh, I have a feeling we're going to be talking about this a bit. Uh, I pray that people who are who are listening will 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 share this, share this widely. Um, I I say this without any immodesty. This has been one of the best uh, programs that we've done, and it's so consequential that was truly amazing. And I thank you both. But before and before I I thank our uh, regular sponsors. I want to share a really unique offer and opportunity. Thanks to Dr. Pitcher, we are pleased to offer a special revised e-version of the Genesis One Two Three Foundation edition of After the Rapture. Now to get your downloadable copy, please go to rapture.genesis123.co. That's rapture.genesis123.co. And with your donation of at least $5, we will be delighted to send you a copy. We're also and always grateful that this podcast is sponsored by our friends at the Willow Run Greenhouse in Culpeper, Virginia. If you're in the area and need something that a greenhouse carries, please pop in and get it from them. And if you don't need anything, just go in and say thank you and give them a hug and, and express your appreciation for them helping make this program possible. Also, thank you to the Coin family for their meaningful sponsorship. Inspiration from Zion and all the Genesis 123 Foundation programs are made possible by donations, so please consider joining us to help continue the dialogue and to build bridges. If you'd like to be a sponsor of a future episode in honor or memory of a loved one or a special occasion, please be in touch at inspirationfromzion at gmail.com. We would be delighted to recognize you. Today, we have a sponsor who chose to be anonymous So we're acknowledging that sponsorship, but not that person's name or any particular event. However, we welcome you joining us in that as well. We'd love to hear your comments as part of an ongoing dialogue and invite you to send any questions anytime, especially questions you have about Judaism for our Ask the Rabbi programs. Please do share this with others who will also find it of interest and continue to join us right here or wherever else you listen to podcasts as we bring you more meaningful conversations about unique topics related to Israel that you won't hear anywhere else. Wherever you are in the world, I pray that you and your loved ones are all safe and healthy and send my blessings from right here in the Judean mountains. God bless you.